0: Thank you, Father, for this incredible privilege that you have given to us as your children, O Lord, that we could give to your kingdom a portion of what you have given to us, a token, O Lord, Father. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would bless this offering, O Lord, and bless the hands that I've given. Father, that it'll indeed be a blessing to all of them, and you would use this for the extension of your kingdom, O Lord, so that many, many people will be touched, O Lord, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Sunday school is released and uh, the elder ones can come to the front. can settle down and we will pray. Shall we look to the Lord and pray? Father in heaven we come to you Father in the name of Jesus. Lord to the ministry of your word. Father, we need a touch from you this morning. Grace to hear attentively. Grace not to be distracted. Grace to obey what we have heard. Grace to think on the things that we have heard grace to search the scriptures to see what 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 has been spoken to test if it is in accordance with your scriptures lord give us grace this morning give us grace O oh lord anoint us afresh even as i speak and even as all of us here anoint us anoint us O oh lord keep me from error Give me the ability to speak with clarity. Father, that I will not make an uncertain sound, O Lord. And Lord, give confirmation in the spirit, man, if whatever has been spoken is in accordance with your word and with your spirit and in accordance with the person of Jesus Christ. If it is. The words of man, uh, let it fall to the ground. And if it is your word, let it be exalted. Father, forever your word is settled in the heavens. Father, we exalt your word this, this morning about every name. We thank you. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've titled uh, today's message uh, in the light of what we've been studying as in our church uh, titled it as, Meeting God as the Righteous Judge. Meeting God as a Righteous Judge. Uh, if, you've, if you were there last Sunday and you've heard the message, and if you're not there, please listen to the message online. It's there, uploaded. You know, um, this, these kinds of messages are not easy to share. I'll tell you why I'm saying this. Who wants to talk about judgment? I mean, come on, no. I mean, can't we talk about something else? Like apologetics maybe, I don't know. <laughs> something more lighter, why do we have to talk about judgment and truth and inexcusable learning justice and truth of the word of God, the righteous judgments of God. Why should we, why should we go through this? Process, and why should the the, the pulpit pulpit be so tough? And I was thinking about this you know, um, if you've come through university, one of the first thing, if you look at the, the, the moment people come into the university, especially when they come to the first year, first semester. Typically, this is what happens. Everybody's super excited in the first year, first semester because they're all raring to go and want to become engineers. They all become wannabe engineers. The moment they first come into the university and, and if they know that a particular professor is tough, you know what happens? Right from day one, they're preparing for exam. <laughs> right from day one because they know that their grade hangs on that day the examination day right from day one i'm not i'm not kidding the first year first semester program especially if you're in a university like triple it the semester flies in three months three months the semester is over there are 28 classes 28 hours of class for the first semester, first year, first semester, and right from day one the evaluation begins. And the students they want the grade, and 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 if the professor is tough, they really really want to study hard. No, uh, I mean if the professor is lied, one day matram, no, one day batting they will do. But if the professor is tough, boy, they really really want to study because they know that they might even flunk the exam if they don't. But you know, they don't, people don't like exams, right? How, how many of us really like exams? Why do we want to go through this grueling process of doing all the hard work? Why? 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 I mean, if, if you are in university like IIIT, you know, it's very interesting because they do, the, the reason why they do it is because at the end of the four years, they have a reward. The reward is not a degree. It is a salary, and your salary is directly proportional to your grade point average (CGPA, cumulative grade point average). So they have a reward at the end, and so they don't mind going through this grueling process of you know studying for exams. And on an average, a B.Tech student does about six sems, six courses a semester uh, into. Eight semesters is about forty-two courses. That's a huge. That's a lot, and I'm, I'm not trying to be little doctors. Doctors even have a tougher job to do, but it's 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 really tough. They really have to go through a rigor, and they do it not because they love the subject, most of them, if not all of them, but they know that there is a reward at the end of four years. And the reason why we also do that in church. Why do the messages become so tough and why should we even talk about judgment of all the things? And it's not easy to share these things because we know when, when I read it talk about judgment, I, I look at my own life. I examine my heart. I examine really, really, my heart. I look at it and I say, Lord, this is tough. Who is sufficient for these things, Lord? It's impossible for me to share anything of this with this weight without trembling because I'll be accountable so this is something which um, we need to keep in mind so obviously at the end of this there is a reward there is a reward and that reward is not any ordinary reward that reward is an eternal reward it's an eternal reward At the end of this, on the other side, you will get a reward and that reward is himself. You will get to know the infinite God personally. That is a reward. It's an incredible reward that is waiting for us on the other side. And therefore, the pulpit has to be tough. See, judgment is good because if you're preparing for a reward if you're preparing to really excel it is good but if you're not can we postpone the exams please is a question oh remember those days when the exams used to get postponed because of university strikes (laughs) hallelujah why more time to play not to study We'll study only one day, for sure. There's a reward on the other side. And if you're not prepared for the other side, and you will say, Lord, can you just please postpone, 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 please. Why? Because I'm not ready. I'm not ready to meet you. I'm not ready to meet you. So That is scary. And one of the things that pulpits have to do I believe with all of my heart is to prepare people to meet God on the other side. To meet God on the other side, to meet and it'll be a one-on-one meeting. One-on-one, you alone with God. Not your pastor, Not your congregation, not your wife, not your children, no one on the other side. It is you and God and it says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, it is appointed for a man to die once and after that what? Judgment and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for all the deeds we have done in this body. It is a one-on-one meeting that we are going to have and I am telling you, many, 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 penny members of the congregation will curse their pastors on that day because they have not prepared their congregation to meet the Lord on the other side. They will not. Many, many. They're not ready. So I believe that is the reason why um, when pastor was um, saying this is possibly the most important set of messages that God has given me, I was really, really, really concerned about it because I take it very seriously. I take it very seriously because I'm not here to set doctrine. The, the, what, what the Lord has called me to do is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, which says, What you have heard from me among faithful witnesses, commit it to others who are able to teach others also. So there are four generations here. What you have received from me, that is Paul, Timothy telling Timothy, what you, Timothy, have received from me. First generation, Timothy, second generation. Teach others, commit it to faithful men, the next generation, who are able to teach others, four generations. And that I believe should be the motto of every church to receive from the Lord, commit it to faithful witnesses who are able to dispense it to the next generation, prepare the next generation also because it says in the book of Judges, there was another generation which rose up, which did not know the God of their fathers and let us not be that church that will not prepare our next generation because even as the time is progressing, the things are getting bad, they are not getting better. I tremble for my children. I tremble for the kind of generation that they are going to live in constant bombardment which you cannot escape it doesn't matter how many restrictions that you put on you cannot escape We can only do that in their ch- children once they grow up unless we train them in the ways of the lord and live and lead by example we will never be able to save the next generation and god is teaching us and we need to understand that on the other side there is there is a reward there is a reward there is a reward there is a reward and we we need to hope for that reward. And that's exactly what Paul will say in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Look at what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, and he's describing the Lord, the righteous judge will award me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing what a man of confidence do you want to end your life like that confident Boy, are you going to go to the examination you are rearing for the question paper to come <laughs> you are going to ace it bro you are rearing for the question you are absolutely prepared Or till the last minute you're studying, 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 studying. And when your dad is dropping you to the examination hall, you're still studying on the scooter. All this happens. Tension. It's tension. You need to have that tension, brothers. What tension you have for your exam, you need to have tension that day. It is mega tension. It is not ordinary tension. Because you will be one-on-one with God. And everyone has to give an account to what he has done. And every idle word that you speak, you have to give an account. It's the day of reckoning. And that is what we are being prepared for. And God's will is that we be confident. Crown of righteousness ready for me. Remember when uh, people study for the IIT J E exam, people who really, really study, you know what? They're confident. Top 100. Top 100, Baba. Mera Hava, top 100. What is Hava? All India rank. A-I-R. Air. My All India rank is top 100. They are confident. They have studied everything. They're going to ace it. All loopholes. Covered. See? Do you want to... F- be prepared like that you know what if you really want to be prepared like that you need to have a tough pulpit the benchmarks have to be set the, the word of god has to be forever exalted there should not be a compromise in the pulpit you know why if the head is sick the whole body is sick see therefore therefore that is the reason why paul will say i have taught you the whole counsel of god none of your blood is on my hands that day i am not accountable Everything—the good, the bad, and the ugly—about God have taught you. The righteous judge will give me a crown of righteousness. Hopefully, if you continue in the the teachings that I've I've given you, you will also obtain that crown of righteousness. Do you want to end like that, young people? What do you think? You have a lot of time to get this right, teenagers. Below twenty years, below thirty, below thirty-five. A lot of time to get this right. You know something. Moses will say in in Psalm 90, the man of God, he will say, teach me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom because I know how many days I have spent, but I do not know how many days I I have left in my account. need to understand that. Be very careful, not be very sure. Don't be confident. I have got a lot of time to get this right. No, you don't. You don't. There are only two days. Today and that day. So be prepared. That is the reason why we don't compromise. We do not want a compromised pulpit. And I've seen that, seen that happening over and over again in different places. So the verse that we've been looking at uh, in our meditation was, is in from Isaiah chapter 59 verse 14, justice is turned back, righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets, and equity or fairness cannot enter. If you looked at this verse, and we've been meditating, and been coming to this verse, and been working on this verse for quite some time now, there are there is something which marks true wisdom. What is the mark of true wisdom? What is the mark of true wisdom? This is Proverbs chapter one, verse one onwards. This is what uh, Solomon will tell uh, through uh, in the in the book of the book of Proverbs. He says, "The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction." To understand the words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity. You need to understand something. Don't be passive hearers of God's word. You see, Paul when he writes uh, to the Romans, he says, I want to impart some spiritual gift to you. So that you may be edified. But he doesn't stop there. I want to come and edify you. And I also want to get edified by you. There's a mutual transaction that takes place. We are a body. You need to understand that. Okay? So just be attentive. Ask God to give you attentive minds, alertness, concentrate. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity. But how do we get that in the New Covenant? It says in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who is the truth, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. We will have this kind of righteousness, and this justice, and this sanctification, and this redemption, as long as we confront the truth in our own, I mean, we are confronted by the truth in our own lives. Why is this important? Why is this important? Why we why do we study again to get the uh, the motive? You need to understand there is a spirit behind the letter. The letter minus minus the spirit brings death. The letter only kills, but the spirit gives life. There has to be a motive. Why is God saying all this? Look at what it says in Revelation chapter twenty-two verses ten to twelve. And He said to me, "Do not seal the words of prophecy of this book." for the time is at hand. Judgment is at the door. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he who is righteous, oh, let him not say, okay, I have it right. No, 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 no. Press on towards more righteousness and he who is holy to press on towards more holiness. There is no static realm in your walk with the lord there is always either progression or degradation see he who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is righteous let him be righteous still he who is holy let him let him be holy still why why is he saying that next verse he says and behold i am coming quickly i am coming quickly My reward is with me to give every man according to his work. According to his work. I'm coming quickly. Quickly. That's what John will say in his episode. He says, little children, it is the last hour. It is the last hour because we know many many antichrists have gone. Many antichrists have gone by which we know that this is the last hour. And if it is the last hour, then how much more now? Keep that in mind. I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. So that is by way of introduction. And, and today I want to, if, if, uh, if you want to uh, understand this message, I want to divide it into two parts. The first part, I want to explain something uh, that Pastor James was talking about, alluding to. There's one verse which occurs, which is quoted from Habakkuk 2, which occurs three times in the New Testament, in Romans, in Galatians, and in Hebrews. That verse we all know is, yes, come on everybody, the righteous shall live by faith. So let's say everybody, the just shall live by faith. Say that everybody. The just shall live by faith. And it occurs how many times? So when God says something three times, we need to take heed. Righteous, my just shall live by faith. How many times does does it occur? Three times. It's like holy, holy, holy. The first time, of course, it occurs in the book of Romans. And this is where I want to... Uh, emphasize today i want to read three verses actually it's from romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 18 i want to read that part and i want to draw a few observations from it and then i want to proceed to the next section there are two sections in this message the first section is from romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 18 and the next part after i draw some inferences and observations from this part so just observe read let's read through these three verses romans chapter 1 verses 16 to 18 not 17 16 to 18 let's read it For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's all read together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The next verse, verse 17. Read that. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, From faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Next verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who shall, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Three verses. You see that? You have several things coming here. You have righteousness, you have justice, you have truth, you have ungodliness, you have salvation, you have gospel, etc, etc, etc. Three verses, five observations. I want to draw out five observations, so please be attentive. The first observation. Observation number one. What is the gospel? What does everybody, anybody, what does the gospel mean? What is it? Good news, right? In Telugu it is Suvartha, Suprachar, Su Manchi, Vartha, news, Suvartha, good news. That is what, what the, that's what the word gospel means. So what is the first observation I want to draw? Look at that. 17, verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed this word for f-o-r for what does it mean how many of you read this verse before for everybody how many of you read this verse Okay, so let me see what does the word for mean yeah excuse me because thank you my dad got it For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed. Two things. Keep that in mind. And the word for, such an important word in the Bible. You know what? The Bible, when it uses prepositions, you have to take them as pearls and eat them. It's for. What did he say? for, hurry, for why this, because there is a because that is implied okay for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, why is it good news because in it, what is revealed the righteousness of God is revealed So, observation number one the gospel everybody read that reveals the righteousness of God. What does it mean? Who God really is in all His purity and sanctity, what we call as holiness. That is what it reveals. It also reveals, because it is given to man, it reveals the righteous requirements of God. So if you have been following the series, the last series was Micah chapter 6, verse 8, What does it say? What does God require from you, O man? You see that? What does God require from you, O man? What does he require? To do justice, to love, mercy, second thing, and to walk humbly before your God. What does it tell me? It tells me that the gospel, when it is preached, requires something from each one of us. Did you get that? When the gospel is preached, what does it require? It requires something. What is that? It requires that we attain to the righteous standards of God. So any other message which does not require is what? False. Oh my goodness, this is very serious stuff. So please pay attention. Okay, this is not, these are serious things. Serious, serious. I've been wrestling with this through the last several days. In my own spirit. It's a burden in my own heart. Because I know what it requires from me. And I believe that I'll be able to communicate that to you as well. Why is the gospel good news? Why? Because it reveals the righteousness of God. So if it reveals the righteousness of God, how is it good news? You'll ask the question, right? How is the good news? It reveals the righteousness of God. So what? How come this is called gospel then? Have you ever asked that question? But f- before we answer that, any other message that does not require from you is what? False. That is the reason why Paul, when he starts off the book of Galatians, he does not exchange any pleasantries. He doesn't say, I thank thank God for you, etc. He directly comes to the point. You know what he says? Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 to 9. This is what he says. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ. To a what gospel? A different gospel. A different gospel. There is no other gospel. There is nothing called as prosperity gospel. You understand what I'm talking about? It is a misnomer. So, what he says, he who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, verse 7, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and to and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And you no, know, no, the next verse is scary. The next verse is scary. Say that? Scary. Why is it scary? Look at what he says. But even if we You know what what Paul is saying? The Paul who said, I have fought the faith, I I have uh, kept the faith, I have fought the fight, I finished the race. This Paul, when he is writing Galatians, he says, even if we. What does it mean? I can be standing in the righteousness of God today and if I do not continue in that righteousness, one day I might fall away. I am telling you, I've seen examples like this. When they started off their journey with the Lord, what did you read, brother? You know, brother, when I started off my journey with the Lord, the first book I read was Normal Christian Life by Watchman D. Nee. Boy, I was like stunned. Because I read it several years later after I came to the Lord. You read Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee? Yes, brother, it meant it really really spoke to me what are you reading now? Watchmen he through another gospel and you will know what doctrine that they subscribe to by the words that they speak and the life that they live. you shall know the f- tree by its what by its fruit. Oh boy, this started off so well. Therefore, Paul is saying, you know what he's saying? Even if we, including myself, are an angel from heaven. Tell that to our Muslim brothers. Preach any other gospel. Any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. And he is including himself there. Boy, it's so serious. You see that? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Any other gospel is false. Any other gospel that does not amplify and glorify and show the righteous requirements of God is a false gospel. The question you will automatically ask, what are the righteous requirements of God, brother? How many of you have the question? Everybody knows that the answer, is it? Okay, we'll answer, we'll answer for those who don't know. That will be the second part of the message. First, what does the gospel reveal? The righteous requirements of the law of God. Second, second inference. Let's go back to Romans chapter 16. So Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Read the words which are underlined in red It is the power of God to salvation. Read please. To everyone who believes. For the Jew first. And also to the... Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. The gospel is first preached to the who? To the Jew. I mean, that is because those days, the Jews had the law. Today, the gospel is first preached... I'll tell you, to the Methodist, to the Baptist, to the Lutheran, to the Pentecostal. I'm not joking, brothers, I'm not joking. This is real, real serious. I was invited to a youth meeting. Okay, I don't want to name the name of the place. The youth meeting was supposed to be at 6 o'clock. This conveniently started at 6.30 or 6.45. They worship for 45 minutes. they asked me to come and preach. By that time I was really frustrated. Not because I didn't want to preach. There was no reverence for God. You know what I did? For the next 10 minutes, I took the Bible and I read a few verses. I didn't say anything. anything. For 10 minutes I read a few verses which the guys have never read before. we never heard this before it is in the Bible and I believe that even in these last days the gospel first has to be preached to the Christians and even now here even now, now the gospel is first preached to you so that you get strengthened in the gospel and when you go out you will be able to minister to the Greek as well you see so What does it tell me? Observation number two. Observation number two. What is observation number one? The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. The gospel requires a righteous standing from us. requires something. Observation number two. Look at what what I wrote. My righteousness cannot be compared the righteousness of God inference number 2 let's read that please my righteousness however righteous you think I am take a guess the most righteous man that ever lived in India according to you take a big no according to you brother Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. Fine, no problem. I respect him. I do respect him. Not looking down upon Mahatma Gandhi because he puts many Christians to shame. Okay, fine. You think that he is the best and the most righteous man that you have ever met? Because he wrote the book My Experiments with Truth and my father was fascinated by that book and it inspired him. And he used to really, really Hammer it on me when I was a kid. I didn't used to, I never used to understand what he was saying. My experiments with truth. Boy, the righteous man. Look at what Romans chapter 3, verse 4 will say. Everybody read. Let God be true. Every manner. What does it mean, brother? Next next sentence. When compared to God, the very Best of men are liars. That's what it means. (laughs) What is the gospel? It is the suvartha, brother. Where is suvartha over here? This is no suvartha. What does it mean when you compare? God, and you, comp- see, you cannot have greater than, less than, unequal equal to God. No. Those equal to's and greater than's and they, there is no comparison at all. Absolutely the other. They are two classes apart. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely the other. There is a difference between the creator and the creature, obviously. You cannot say Vijay is greater than a Pentium processor. Can you say that? Stupid! And if somebody says, Baba, your mind is like a computer, I take it as an insult. And not as a compliment. A computer? No, no. You are like a, you got a robotic mind. No, no, no. Dumb machine, please. Don't say that. It's an insult. That's how, that's a, that's a class apart. You cannot compare the two. You wanna see a comparison? The very best of men? One comparison? Job, he thought he was the most righteous man and he was contending with God. Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? God said, okay Baba, let's have a questionnaire. At the end of the questionnaire, this is what he says in a song. Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. (laughs) And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Boy, that means if you have made a, you have purposed a purpose, it is a done deal. It's done. It's over. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered and I did not understand things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Next verse. Listen please. Let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard you with my hearing of the ear. By the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes have seen you. You know what I will do? Therefore, I abhor myself. The best, the righteous, the most righteous, because there were three most righteous, according to Ezekiel, Noah, Daniel, and Job. And when Daniel looks at the Lord, when he has this vision of the Lord, you know what he says? My comeliness has turned in me into corruption. What I thought was good about me, suddenly started to become corrupt in your presence no comparison when compared to God the very best of men are liars you want to see another comparison? look at this First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 25 for the foolishness of God <laughs> is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men you want another comparison? Well, I'll show you another comparison. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. For Jesus has been counted, sorry, has been counted more, uh, has been counted more worthy, as worthy of more glory than Moses. What is the comparison? Much more glory as the builder of a house has more glory than the building. You see? Two classes. They will say, who invented the computer? Arey, They will not praise the computer. They will praise the guy who made the computer. You understand what I'm saying? There's no comparison. So what does it mean? What does observation number two give us as a conclusion? Let's read that. Read it please we fall short big time therefore romans 3:23 everybody knows this all everybody say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the righteous requirements of god even the best of men Very hard to digest for some people. What do you mean? There's already a contention going on in their hearts. No, vibrato. Fine, let's go back. You don't have to contend with me. Contend with Paul if you reach heaven. When you reach heaven, okay, I speak that. To you when you reach heaven. I want to reach there, Baba. Please, I want to reach there. So, next verse, I want to look at verse eighteen. Let's read it together. Everybody, the red point, red red marks. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And the next red line. Who suppress the truths? The truth has fallen. What is? See, so let us rewind. Observation number one. Gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Observation number two. Gospel reveals the fact that the best of men, however righteous they may think that they are, they are liars when compared to God. Observation number three. Let's read that. I am in trouble with God. You know, in some places, this is so difficult to preach. Brother, please, please, tell God is love, brother. They will all run away. Thank God you've been conditioned. I'm in trouble with God. God has anger. Wrath of God is revealed against all who suppress the truth. with their unrighteousness. There is a very interesting verse. Let's read that together. Okay? Let's read that together. What is the title of the message? Meeting God as the righteous judge. Okay? From where did I get the title? Right? So let's read a verse together. This is in the English Standard Version. Okay. Look at what it says. Let's read it together. Psalm 7 verse 11. God is a righteous judge. And a God who feels indignation every day. You know something? God has got strong feelings. Very strong. KJV uses the word, he's angry with the wicked every day, but the word with with the wicked is in italics. Have you seen in your own Bible? You can observe it. If you have the KJV Bible, the word with the wicked is in italics meaning it's not there in the original translation. God is angry. He's a righteous judge. And God who feels, He feels anger every day. He expresses it. And that is the reason why He tells His disciples, He doesn't say anybody else, you know whom, He tells His disciples whom He sends on a mission trip. This is what He tells His disciples. You know what He says? Matthew chapter 10 verse 28. Let's read that together. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He's angry. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 16 and 20 to 23. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness Woe to those who call evil good. And we are there in that generation. They call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own side. And verse 23, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from a righteous man. And verse 25. Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them and the hills trembled. The carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away but his hand is stretched out still. So three inferences. Observation observation number one. Say that please. Gospel reveals the Righteousness of God. Observation number two. Gospel reveals the fact that we are absolutely unrighteous. Even the best of our righteousness cannot be compared to God. Third, we are in big trouble with God. So, all bad news. No good news yet. And therefore, let us read verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is a power of God to salvation. Oh, what is observation number four? Let's see that together. God wants to, ah, thank you Jesus. Now we have come to the good news. You see? See, we cannot experience what is good unless we know what is bad. There's no, there, otherwise there's no comparison. Because nowadays everything is grey. And we have also made a movie called Fifty Shades of Grey. So who has to save? God wants to save us, but from whom? God wants to save us from whom? Okay? Let me read the next part. See, these are observations which you never thought about, right? Say we thought about the gospel. I heard the gospel, I gave my heart to Jesus and I asked him to come into my heart. That is 1978 when I met the Lord for the very first time. Now what is what are you hearing? Are you here in the gospel? What gospel? Nobody knows. God wants to save us from whom? From whom? Let's read that. God saves us from God. See, the anger of God is against you. So God has to save you from? Him. That is the reason why it says you are inexcusable, O oh man. And when I say Abigail, you are inexcusable, intikrani panjapta. When she is coming to Illu, there is no candy. There is danda. You are without excuse. So we know what is coming. Right? How many times does he say that? Three times. There is no excuse. You are without excuse and the whole world will be guilty before God. That is Romans chapter 3. You are without excuse. So God has to save us from God. But whom does he send in order to save us? That is, okay, if you have in your Bibles, please turn to, J, uh, I forgot to put that verse, I'm so sorry. Romans chapter 9, if I'm right. Romans chapter 9. Oh boy, if you have it in your Bibles, please turn there. Romans chapter 9, verse 5. I'm reading from the ESV version. Romans chapter 9 verse 5 he sends a saviour who is that saviour let's read it to them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ who is who is God so God saves us from God so in order to save us from God whom does he send God Get that brothers and sisters? So that is observation number four. God wants us to save us from Himself. And in order for to be saved, to save us from Himself, He sends Himself. Oh, that is powerful. Very, very powerful. Keep that in mind. So when Christ was crucified on the cross, who was crucified? God was crucified. Did you get that? Romans chapter 9 verse 5. That's the verse. Romans chapter 9 verse 5. Christ is God. Therefore it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood. Who is this blood? blood? Whose blood is this? is the blood of Jesus Christ, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God saves us from himself by sending himself. That is the reason why the writer of Hebrews, you know what he says? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, God who in sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his... Son, whom he has made, a heir of all things, by whom even the worlds were made, who is the glory of the Father, the express image of his person, who holds all things by the word of his power, and this man who holds everything by the word of his power has purged our sins, and he has sat down at the right hand of God. Oh boy. God saves us from himself. Keep that. Keep that. See, these are weighty things. These are not ordinary things. You have to think over these things, brothers. Think. Think. Very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is God. See that? Who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Everything is done by God. John John 3, 17 onwards. <clears throat> God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth, you see that, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that have been, that, that they have been done. In God. God saves us from God. That is observation number 4. So what is observation number 5? How do we appropriate this? Romans chapter 16. Read verse 17 and the underlined lines. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For the just shall live by You cannot attain this righteousness except by faith. That is observation number five. From righteousness, to righteousness. Romans chapter five verse one, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You see, He's taking us from righteousness. He's going to impute the righteousness onto us, but He doesn't going to, He's not going to stop there. He's not going to stop there. You know what he does? He does more than that. He does, he just not only imputes righteousness and justifies us. He also does something more powerful. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8 verses 3 to 4. For God, for the law, for what the law? Law came through Moses, right? For what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh. Who did? God did. God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, what did he do? He condemned what our sin in his flesh. Thank you you see that you 're reading in the lines that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled well not for us but in us oh he 's just not going to impute righteousness to us. he is going to make us righteous through and through by fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law in us oh boy five observations this is the gospel brothers so let us just review first five observations observation number one the gospel reveals thank you observation number two the gospel reveals the fact that we are absolutely unrighteous, even though the best of the righteous men are liars. Observation number three, we are in big trouble. Because we are under the wrath of God, because we have suppressed the truth because of our unrighteousness. Therefore, God wants to. That is the gospel. But from whom? From himself. In order to save us himself, he sends himself. And verse five, and of observation number five, he not only imputes righteousness, he makes us righteous so that we will be made like his son in righteousness. From faith to faith. So what does the God the gospel reveal? Observation number one: the righteousness of God. So the question here is: what is the righteousness of God? First part of the message. Did you get it everybody? I'm going very slow. Unlike me. Okay. Very slow. Because I knew the weightiness of that topic. This is huge. It's got eternal implications in our life. I'm so serious about it. I was so serious. So serious. Honestly. I told my wife. I held her hand like this and I said, Pray for me. Pray for me. If you have anything against me, forgive me. If you have anything against me, forgive me. Release me so that I can hear from God. You know why? Because we are heirs together of the promises of God. And she was laughing. I said, don't laugh. Don't laugh. In the last 48 hours, I slept for 4 hours. The implications of it. Are really, really, really humongous when our head says this is perhaps the most important of the messages God has given me. My spirit was quickened and I hope yours is also quickened. Quickened. Don't just come lightly. Don't be passive hearers of God's word. Oh, the very first time she was stunned. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was serious. If you have anything against me, that is a very good threat, right? I'm preparing for the word. If you have anything for, against me, forgive me. I'll use that as a Brahmastra later on. Because it's not about me, you see. It's not about you. It's about the church. <laughs> so what are we going to do now? We need to understand what is this righteousness of God. That is the second part. What I'm calling, what I'm calling, God. The righteous church. You're getting it, everybody? Okay? Preparing you mentally. When you come to Grace Tabernacle Church, Pastor says, Vijay, Sunday messages are very general. Are they general? No, Baba. They are from the general. Really? After you hear messages like women are lost, everybody's lose. The no word inexcusable. It is a general message? No. It is a message from the Lord of hosts through our general. I keep that very seriously. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very serious about this. I hope you are too. You are too. Okay. I have a quick and, I'm not play acting here. There's no place for trifles, trivialities. There's, there's no jokes today. Hardly any jokes. Serious stuff. God, the righteous judge. The righteousness of God has to be revealed. We need to understand what that is. So let us see. What does it mean? And what is, how does God reveal his righteousness to us? Romans chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Let us read it. How does God judge? In other words, he judges by what? By righteousness. He doesn't judge by the seeing of the eyes and of the hearing of these ears. Hearing of these ears. You know what he said? Hearing of these ears, very, very careful. Why did I say that? There is a word called devil in the New Testament. What is it? Devil. In the Greek, it's translated as diabolos. From which we get the word diabolic, which essentially means demonic. What, what does diabolos mean? Accuser. Slanderer. How many times it's used? 38 times. 36 times. 6 times 6. How many times? 6 times 6. Referring to the devil directly. And 2 times. uh, Referring to the agents of the devil through men. And particularly. Titus chapter 2. Verse 3, you can write it down. Warn the elder woman not to be diabolos. Wow. Not to be like the devil. False accusers. Every Bible will say, ask the older woman not to be accusers of the brethren. But you know what the original Greek is? Don't be diabolos. Don't be, in other words, don't be devils. Okay, so he does not, oh, that is serious, isn't it? You don't, there's no laughing matter over here. This is serious stuff. So we don't judge by the seeing of our eyes. We don't judge by the hearing of our ears. But how do we judge? With righteousness. That is how he judges. So how, so what does this mean? Let us see. Let's read from the Bible. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge, another, you condemn yourself. You see that? That's what Pastor was talking about last time. For you who judge, practice the same things. So the next verse. Look at this. Let's read that. Together, The words which are underlined in red. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this so man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Observation. Look at this, I wrote this down, carefully here, every man is naturally blind to his or her own state and sins. Have you ever lied brother? Yes. What does it make you? Human, just like everybody else. Have you sinned? Yes Lord, I have sinned, just like everybody else. Look at that. Every man is naturally blind to his or her own state and sins. One of the great lessons we need to learn in life, no matter who we are, that we have incredible capacity to rationalize our sin and magnify other sin. Oh boy! Don't you know that? Am I speaking to somebody over here? I'm speaking to myself. Look at what I, this is what I wrote, the observation. Quickness with which we judge another brother reveals the wickedness of our own heart. That is the reason why be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God demands. That is the esv translation the righteousness of god is what nkjv will say will not produce the righteousness that god demands quickness with which we judge another brother reveals the wickedness of our own heart how do i know this we you know one parable of prophet nathan you know the parable of prophet nathan oh you king you know what In a kingdom there was this rich man who had many flocks and there was this poor man who had this little female lamb. Slowly he nourished that lamb and nourished that lamb and that lamb became like his daughter. One day a a traveler came to the rich man's house. So the rich man, instead of taking one of the lambs from his own flock, went to the poor man's house, took the flock and killed it and gave it to the neighbor. He heard this! And David should have said, Hey, wait a minute, before I speak, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to become angry. But what, he say, what does he do? Look at what it says in second, second Samuel chapter 12, verse 5 and 7. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, Nathan, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Are you sure, brother? Oh, are you sure? Nathan said, You are that man. You are the man. And who says that? That says the Lord God of Israel. It is not me. You are that man. Continuing on that. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. Or do you despise the richness of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God has led you to repentance? But what do you do? But in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you treasure up for yourselves what? Wraths! In the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Observation. God does not judge us until the end of our days. Why is that? He knows how it is going to come out, of course. He knows everything. It is not until the last evil result of the life of sin has been recorded that the final reward for the sinner can be known. You think that you are in trouble now with God? If God gives you some more time, you will dig the hole even deeper. That's exactly what you do. What you do? You look at others. He is unrighteous. I am righteous. Like Ravi Zacharias said, those who throw dust on others, dig their own hole. You know, there are two stages of the wrath of God. When you sin, God doesn't say, die today. No, he doesn't say that. There are two stages. The first stage is giving you over to your sin. So what does he do? He gives you over to uncleanness. He gives you over to wild passions. He gives you over to a debased mind. Oh, you want to go and look at that internet site with the pornographic site? Do you think the computer is going to crash? No. Continue. Go. Please, see. Oh, you're going to go commit an adultery with that lady in that room. And you're going on the bike for that? Do you think your bike is going to crash? No, go. Please go. You're blind to our own sin. And when we do that, and when we look at others and keep judging them, we're actually digging our own grave. So what is the first law of digging? or oh, sorry, the first law of holes. Everybody read it. The first law of holes. Stop digging. Stop digging dirt on others. Brothers. Judge your own self today. See, we were talking about jurisdiction, right? I was telling Pastor, Pastor. I don't know about the jurisdiction kebab, jada hai. But one jurisdiction I know very well and I know that I have absolute autonomy over that jurisdiction. You know what that is? My own heart. The first law of holes, stop digging others' sins and judge your own heart. Second observation, justice delayed is not Justice denied. What does it mean? The mills of God's justice grind slowly, but they grind fine. So how do we counter this? How do we counter this, brothers? Especially in the context of a church, See, you need to understand there is a relational dimension toward God, and there's a relational dimension toward our fellow brothers. How do we counter to this observation? First Peter chapter four, verse eight. What does it say? Above all, love each other deeply, Aha. because love covers a multitude of sins. Boy, what does they tell me? See this this particular verse. Love covers a multitude of sins is a quotation from the book of Proverbs and it appears twice in the New Testament. First in 1st Peter chapter 4 verse 8 or rather first, second in 1st Peter chapter 4 verse 8 according to the chronological order of your Bible. First in the book of James. Look at what it says in the book of James chapter 5 verses 19 to 20. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the ah truth and you love that brother so deeply and you love him so deeply and you don't want him to wander. So today, Pastor Stelso is praying, Lord, we pray, Father, for those people of straight away, straight away, who are backslidden, and you said in your word, Lord, that you are married to the backslider. Your heart yearns for those people who have fallen away. That's what it means. And someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from what? From death and cover a multitude of sins. This is love in action to bring back the truth in another brother's life. Which has fallen. So what do we do? According to Ephesians, speak the truth in love. got it everybody serious no So another 15 minutes and I'm done let us continue Romans chapter 2 verse 6 to 10 who will render to each one according to his oh I thought works will not save me let's read on eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good Seek for glory and honor and immortality. Brother, you should never seek your glory. Seek glory. Seek honor. Seek immortality, which comes from God. Which comes from God. And Verse 8. But to those who are... What is the opposite of good? It is not bad. It is self-seeking but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of the man who does evil to the Jew first also let us read to the Christian first and also to the Greek but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is the observation? Observation, God renders to every man according to his works. His reward is with him. That is what Revelation chapter 12 will say, 22 will say. His reward is with him. He's going to render every man according to his deeds. So how do we do this in the relational dimension? Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 to 10. Let's read it. Do not be deceived, brothers. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will also he reap. For one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to his spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And verse 9, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity which are plenty plenty of opportunity to do good. Let us do good to all men, especially to the household of faith. Next verse. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Let us read that together so that we will not fall asleep. For, okay, let's read out loudly again. Okay, let's read that in another translation. Okay, for there is no partiality with God, other translation will say, for there is no respect of persons with God. You need to understand something very interesting over here. The word respect of persons never occurred before in any literature before the Bible in the New Testament was was written. never occurred before you know what it actually means read that god accepts no man's face face value one of the things that we do you know, in all our movies no i love you face just And she will go on in English. In a Telugu movie. Nei face. You know what it means? God accepts no man's face. Let us put it the other way. For young men. God accepts no girl's face. In other words. External appearances do not matter to God at all. Oh, when we see Pellichupulam, you know what I'm talking about, right? They will gauge you. Stand up, please. Poor fellow, he did not accept her face. Okay. See? External appearances do not matter to God. He sees right through. Oh, you know what it means? You know what it means? You go to a courtroom. You are guilty of a crime. Now the, 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 the judge is there. You are very, very you're convicted of the crime that you have committed and so you go there and you start crying. Oh, judge, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He sees right through. It doesn't matter. It does not matter to God. He is not going to accept your face. Young brothers, young sisters, when you look for matches, if there is a smooth talker, run for your life, Sister in Tabalpad sister. Run for your life, sister. Run for your life. This should be your pose. You look so cute in that dress. Run for your life. Run. It's very important. That's the reason why God says, Guys, man sees the outward appearance. And even the most anointed prophet called Samuel, he sent to Bethlehem, everybody in Bethlehem is troubled. Why did you come, Baba? Why did you come? Is it peace? Is it peace? Have you, have you messed up with the Lord? It is peace. Okay. So what do you want from us? What do you want from us? Bring your sons. What? Why? The next king. Oh, okay, okay. First. Second. Hey, this fellow looks like Saul. God says, shut your mouth, please. Rejected. External appearance, appearances do not. Matter to God. Educational qualification do not matter to God. That is the reason why Paul will say, I am a debtor to the Greek and to the barbarian. What? The Greeks, who are the most wisest people, just because they are wise, does not qualify them for the gospel. And also to the barbarians, just because they are not educated and uncultured, does not disqualify them from the gospel. I'm debtor. Both to the Greeks and to the Jews, to the barbarians. Barbarians, Baba! Barbarians. When, when he said barbarians, they were barbarians. To the wise and to the unwise. And as much as, in, as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Everybody, same category. did you understand? Ardhamayinda, purinjada, And a soul wrong. Somebody in Canada. We have Canada also these days, so. You see that? External appearances do not matter to God. So look, look at this, no? He sees right through. I'll show you an interesting episode in the, in the life of Jesus. Mark, Mark's Gospel chapter 12 verse 13 to 15. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians who hate each other. When the Pharisees and the Herodians come together, Baba, there is trouble there. To catch him in his words. When they came came to him, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true. You care about no one. You do not regard the person of men. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, you hypocrites. I see right through you. I know exactly why you came. Exactly why you came. Should we pay a Caesar? Should we pay a taxes? Finished. Don't know what he says. But he knowing their hypocrisy said to them, why do you test me? You know external appearances, your tears don't matter to God. Do you know that? There was been this, this guy who came to the altar and he was crying and crying and crying and crying. Oh Lord, please Lord, take my offering. Take my offering. Stop crying please. Why Lord? I have been a witness between you and your wife. I have been a witness. For husbands, God is a witness. You cry, you are crying here, showing off your external garments of repentance, but I see right through you, your body is full of garments of violence. I see that. I see that. Go back, reconcile with your wife, and come back. You see that, everybody. So how does he how does it have a relational dimension to us? Ephesians chapter six, verses six to nine. <clears throat> Not with eye service. This is talking about service. Okay, as men's ple- uh, pleasers. This is talking to uh, uh, the the slaves. But as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to God and not unto men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Whether he be bond or he be free. And you masters, do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening, don't threaten them. Knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with God. He does not show any partiality. So how should be my attitude? How should be my attitude? Especially, slaves, in our zamana? software engineers. Slaves, software engineers. Sorry, okay. Pony. Researchers. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Slaves. Software engineers. When you work in your company. Not as unto man. But as unto God. Software engineers. You have been called into ministry now. He may call you. Okay. If you are a software engineer. He may. Because God is no respecter of person. Okay. You've been called into ministry now. Your boss is now who? God, okay. But somebody else who is a believer. Obviously no. How will you work? Okay. If you are in a secular organization and you are working 8 hours a day and earning 30,000 rupees per month. Okay. God called you into full-time ministry, so we do not know what the is, is, okay? We do not know. He's called you into full-time ministry. Your boss is no longer secular. He is a Christian. Shift. How will you work? Ah! Interesting question for all those people who work for Christian organizations and who complain about the salary. 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 2, those who have believing masters, everybody read that please, those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers, instead they should serve them even better, did you get that please everybody? Everybody, so people, I'm telling you, why am I was saying this? Because people, when they come to ministries, all of a sudden, they get the secular mindset. My profession is only eight hours a day profession. That is how I used to work. That is how I will continue to work. No. In you, if you are in ministry, 24 by 7 profession. What is salary? I don't know. I don't know. You should serve them even better. Because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers. Because now he's my brother. He's my brother. As much as in me, I should do good to all men, especially to the household of faith. Therefore, you know what I should do? I should work even better for my Christian master. Do you have that mindset? Brothers and sisters who work for Christian organizations? Or do you say, my time is up? In fact, you need to work double. Double. So if you're called a pastor, and it's, you know what it says? Those who teach the word of you should be considered for what honor? Double honor. So if you are a pastor who's been considered for double honor, and you are called to be, you called to be a pastor from a software engineer's profession, if you're working 40 hours a week, and now you're considered for double honor, how many hours a week? Say, simple math? Abba, 80. Oh, yo, I don't want ministry. Very good. If you have that attitude, please don't don't come to ministry. Eight years. Okay, these are the things you need to teach and insist on. That's what he tells Timothy. Finally, today, finally. Oh boy. Romans chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. For as many as have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law, And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God but the doers of the law are justified. What does it tell me? Let's read that together. God judges us according to the light that we have. Ah, very important. Luke's gospel chapter 12 verse 45. More you know, more you are accountable. The guy who knew the master's will and did not perform the master's will was beaten with many stripes. The guy who did not know the master's will and did not perform only few stripes, according to the light that you have. See, this is, I can't end here. This is only a flavor as to what the righteous requirements of God are. You need to understand, this is something which we as believers have to be prepared for. You know, it's, it's very sim- simple, no? When a new boss comes to your office, every employer wants to know what is his likes and what is his dislikes. I need to understand his mood swings. I need to know what he says and what he does, what he likes, which movie he likes. Does he like coffee? Does he like chai? Et Etc. et, cetera, et cetera. We want to know everything about our boss because we know that our promotion depends upon him. So we want to know everything about our boss. Who is the boss of the universe? And he is going to judge us. Don't you want to know everything about him?
1: So man has to meet the
0: righteous judge. And I'm stopping here because I, I, I can continue the, on and on. You're not ready for it as of now. Digest it. Digest what I said. You need to understand something. Very important. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. You, you can write it down. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Paul tells Timothy something very interesting. He says, What I have taught you, think on those things. What is that? What I have taught you, think on those things. The Lord will give you understanding. Ah, you see that? Is is it there in your Bible? Is it there in your Bible? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. What I have taught you today, think on those things. Because we like practicality. How do I do this in my life? Think on those things. Think on those things. I showed you practical stuff as well. What I have taught you, think on those things. May the Lord give you understanding. May the Lord give you understanding. We can't end it here, church. We'll continue meeting. This is a series of messages and I'm just supplementing or even, I'm not saying supplementing, I'm just complimenting what pastor has already preached. This is inexcusable according to Vijay. You know, there's a difference between a professor and a tutor. How many of you know the difference? The professor gives the hard stuff, the tutor solves your problems. That's exactly what I did. I solved some of your problems. Okay. I'm just complimenting what he has taught. Let us continue to meditate on these things. There's no stopping over here. It's not like going home, what did he teach us? I hoped, I thought that it is going to excite me now and it's going to leave me on a high and I'm going to worship. You heard so much. Think on those things. Let the Lord give you understanding. Shall we pray? Shall we pray today? We'll continue our study, hopefully the next Wednesday as well on the same topic. Just meditate on what has been taught today, this morning. Just think over in your own life. The most difficult thing is not to be partial. That is the wisdom of God. God shows us His righteous requirements. But He does not leave us there. That's what He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4. What the law could not do, God has done what the law could not do in the weakness of the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned our sin in his flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be made manifest in us, may be fulfilled in us. Those who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit and this morning I beseech you brothers by the mercies of God when we are going through these series of messages let us come with severity with seriousness and an inclination to obey the word of God and to judge our own hearts every day day of our life in the light of what we hear from this pulpit what the lord has spoken to our hearts this morning think on those things may the lord give you understanding may the lord give you understanding thank you jesus for this morning thank you father thank you thank you thank you oh lord the gospel the power of god unto salvation lord i pray lord father we will experience your power in our hearts lord that you will that you will not only show us your truth But you said Lord Father when the spirit of God comes he will convict us of sin and of of righteousness and of judgment. The spirit of truth. But the spirit of truth is also called the spirit of grace. He's not only going to give us the truth. He's going to make us obey the truth by circumcising our heart by the spirit and making us a Jew inside and not outside that will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that will be transformed from inside out. And Lord Father, to do righteousness will be a delight that we will become slaves of righteousness, O oh Lord, instead of being slaves of sin, which we were in our past life. O oh Lord, grant us grace to that end, O oh Lord Jesus. Let, let us not be weighed down, weighed down by the enormity and the seriousness of the word. Father, you love us and therefore you chastise us because you want us to be made partakers of your holiness. Oh Lord, O oh Jesus, because we know, Father, there is an eternal weight of glory that is waiting for us on the other side. Oh Lord Jesus, let us be made that has become eternity conscious. Our, our eyes will be on the things of heaven and not on the things of this earth, O oh Lord, because the things of this earth are passing away. But Lord, what is of God for all eternity. Grant us grace to that end, we pray. Father, give us inclination. Give us interest. Give us the, well, the interest to obey. The, the. Let us experience the joy of obedience, O oh Lord. O oh Father, even if it hurts us and inconveniences us, O oh Father, let it not hinder us from obeying you. O oh Jesus, we worship you, Father. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor. We give you thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father. And more importantly, even as we have heard, the counsel of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us even as we think on the things that we have heard. And may the Lord give us understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.